It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Andrew can win it with a stop on Cunning, who goes wide right. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it means a lot, um, especially after last time, uh, seeing the growth, um, and I was enjoying every second of it. Um, I was loving hockey out there, uh, and it, it was just awesome to be out there. Yeah, the Sharks coming off a tough shootout, 3-2 loss to the Stars last night, and they'll be back at it, going up against the Wild today at 4, 3.30 pregame right here on the Sharks Audio Network. Uh, Brett Hedekin joining Dan Rusinowski for today's call as we look ahead at uh, the schedule for today in the NHL. The Sharks obviously not the only game going down. The early one, 10 o'clock this morning, the Coyotes in Washington taking on the Capitals. At noon 30, we've got the Devils visiting L.A. Jets and Sabres do battle at 4. Also uh, going on at 5 o'clock, the Canucks visit the Ducks. And then at 6, finishing off the day, the Penguins will be seeing the Oilers, which puts your Sharks smack dab in the middle of a Sunday afternoon. Chill out, get some hockey in, and enjoy the end of your weekend with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, if you tuned in yesterday, you heard some of my conversation with Sheng Peng. I obviously did not have time to get into all of it, but I wanted to give you more with Sheng as we talked about the future. At the offseason, you know, with that looming, obviously we're going to be talking a lot about the next generation of Sharks coming in, and then the draft speculation will start coming um, as, soon as, as soon as the season done, does come to an end and the lottery. But in terms of the guys that could come up by the end of the year, um, what's your take on who we might see or who we might not see? Well, if uh, Kushin can get healthy, uh, he, he would certainly be up there among the, the top guys. He's been very good this year with uh with with uh, barracuda and um obviously the sharks have a lot of wingers available at the trade deadline and so they they might be trading they'll trade as many of them as they can at least uh mukumadulin obviously is the guy that you you expect to see up uh bordolo bordolo has adjusted fairly well to to the to the wing since he's been down there and so that's another winger that 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 uh that the sharks can add to the lineup uh i think cardwell uh, Cardwell can be a sneaky guy that might get a game or two in there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, besides that, um, you know, maybe you see, uh, you know, Shimmick has done very well down there and he was just named the captain there. Right. People have raved about sort of his leadership down there. And so he might be a guy that gets, uh, you know, just sort of a reward for, for a job well done this season. Uh, Stunika, we can see him coming. Uh, I can see him coming back. And yeah, I think I think those those are some of some some of the guys, yeah. And then with that trade, or excuse me, with the the draft talk in the future, um, 
I, I guess if they're not the number one pick and, you know, there's no reason to assume that they would get that number one pick because it's a lottery after all, at what point, you know, do the Sharks look at that as drafting for need versus drafting for talents and filling things out? Is it always just get the best player or do you think that they might look at things differently? And do you think they might even, if there's not somebody that they see right there at the number two, do you see the potential for them trading down to get more first round capital? Uh, well, I mean, if you look at the, the, you know, the Sharks have 15 wins this year. So in terms of positions of need, uh, every area is position. Of Touché. Need team. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Trading down that is interesting. Uh, they certainly did that a couple of years ago in Mike's first year when they had the number 11 pick and they traded back with Arizona to get the pick that would become, uh, Philip Beestead and Havlid and Lund. It's two second rounders there. And so I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out. It does seem like uh, for a lot of people, this draft, I don't know what the Sharks think, but for a lot of people, this draft is Celebrini or bust at number one. And yeah. after that, it sort of becomes a um, people, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts on who should be a number two, who should be a number three there. And so I suppose that, that I wouldn't rule that out. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I just, I you know, it's weird to see so many drafts as, a player or bust. And we can talk about this in any sport because, you know, guys always turn into players like that. Guys always turn into stars. I mean, we could even go as far back as Joe Pavelski, you know, no one saw him becoming a star player. And so I always think it's, it's interesting to hear that perception just because I don't believe when, yes, some guys do come out ready to go. They're complete players. Connor Bedard, pretty close to, you know, being a complete player at such a high skill level. You go back to Patrick Marlowe and Greer uh, joked about it, saying that when Marlowe came into the NHL, he was already working with a man's body. That wasn't the case with a Will Smith. And But, you know, guys always do develop. That's always my my take when people say, oh, it's Celebrini or, or bust. It's like, well, is it, though? Like, it's 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 Celebrini or bust on, on the draft day, but that doesn't mean that's what it'll be in seven years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, no, no one, when, I, when, when I say it, I, I don't mean it to mean that that, uh, the Sharks do not get a number one pick. That it's not possible for them to get, uh, get, get a prospect. Oh, I, I wasn't attributing up, it to you. I'm just because I've heard up, other people understand. say that uh, ends up even being better than Selby. I think a classic example is just a few years ago where I think the Avalanche, um, uh, they they had the worst record in the league and they were gunning for that number one pick and they lost the lottery and they ended up, um, they 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 ended up. Uh, let me look. I think it was the 2019 draft. Mm-hmm. And they they ended up with Kale McCarr, yeah, with like Mario's the fourth teammate. or fifth pick, right? <laughs> and so that's that that's that's a pretty good uh, quote unquote consolation prize, right? So, um, <laughs> and so so yeah, I I think I think that I think uh, if if they don't, the Sharks don't end up getting Celebrini. Um, actually, yeah, the, so that draft was a he sure went number one. Well, obviously, he's ended up being a terrific player. But then the clear number two that draft was Nolan Patrick, who obviously has dealt with a lot of uh, mm-hmm. a lot of injuries. And the Avs, uh, with the worst record, they ended up with Kale McCarr at number four. And so uh, they did quite well for themselves. And so, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's just a draft day celebrating your bus. Because it is clear that Celebrini is going to be the number one pick. I don't yeah. think there's any uh, any doubt at this point that uh, of that. And so if 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 so, if you don't if you lose that draft lottery, of course, there's going to be a disappointment. Uh, but then, yeah, but then but then then you just have to pick the right guy. Well, Shang, I will let you go because I've taken too much of your time already, but uh, I could probably do this for another hour if you'd let me, but I will not make you deal with that. But thank you as always. Keep up the great work. And then just before we're done, I know that we were talking about the trade deadline, which you will have some pieces coming up on San Jose Hockey Now and uh, NBC, correct? 
Yep, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Awesome, Shang. Well, I will see you soon, man. Have a good one, and uh, we'll talk. Yeah, take it easy. I'll talk to you soon. Again, that is Sheng Peng of San Jose Hockey Now and NBC Sports California joining us here on The Build-Up. If you missed any of that conversation from yesterday, you can go find it on The Build-Up Game 59 versus Dallas, where we went over a number of topics and uh, obviously a lot swirling around the Sharks right now. But you look at the potential trade targets the teams are going to be looking at with the Sharks, and Sheng wrote about this for NBC Sports Bay Area, talked about Mikhail Granlin. He has 31 points in just 32 games uh, since November 25th. This article came out uh, March 2nd yesterday. So Granlund has also had another game added on to that point. But the fact is he has been productive all year long for the San Jose Sharks when he has been healthy. Um, So that is something that you're going to be paying attention to. Also, Anthony Duclair, he's been playing well as of late. Uh, He's had four goals since they've returned from the All-Star break, and he's obviously got playoff experience, and he's just such a good guy in terms of his overall leadership, in terms of what he brings to the dressing room. Um, Another one that Shang points out, Mario Ferraro, he obviously takes up a lot of ice time. He learned that from Brent Burns. He's around 22 minutes a night, and while he's not creating the most offense in the world, he is a guy who does block a lot of shots. His mentality, I think, is something that cannot be overlooked. I think that he's exactly the type of guy that an NHL team would want to bring in to bolster their defense just because he has the personality that's going to click anywhere. He has the ability. uh, He has the grind. You know, it's really interesting because he came into the Sharks at the end, you know, his rookie season was 2019, 2020. Um, he immediately popped to everyone. Everyone said, wow, this guy can play. He has the skill set. He immediately was such a good talker with the media. Obviously, highly intelligent individual. And everyone really took to him very quickly. That's why he, you know, earned the A on his sweater just a few years into his NHL career. That does not happen by accident. But with Mario Ferraro, it did. And I'm sure there are going to be a number of teams around the NHL uh, that look at Mario Ferraro and think, okay, yeah, he's not the greatest offensive producer in the world, uh, which I think could change if he had more talent around him. But he also is a guy who has all the right stuff, for lack of a better term. I know that's used for astronauts, but I think we can say that about Mario Ferraro right now at this point in his career. Kapo Kakinen is another one that Shang lists. Uh, obviously, uh, he has been very, very good for the Sharks, even though that game the other night uh, was not his best performance. Uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm taking these things uh, with a grain of salt. It was unfortunate that he had to come in unexpectedly against New Jersey, and then he did not have his greatest game against uh, Anaheim. But these are all things that, okay, are these one-offs compared to the rest of their year? Yeah, I would say so. Capo, to me, is that a really good year. The um, stat that Sheng cites from Sports Logic is Capo is a top five uh, NHL in the inner slot save percentage. Um, you know, that's something that other teams are going to look at because I think they say, okay, San Jose's defense, San Jose's talent level, if Capo's doing with this with them, what can he do with us? And it's not that I'm in a hurry to lose any of these players. I would like Mikhail Grandlin to stick around. I would like Anthony Declare to stick around. I would like Mario Ferraro, Capo Kakinen. Um, all these guys are players that I think that, you know, have uh, the potential to help the Sharks going forward. But it also depends on what the timeline is right now. Like, are the Sharks a team that are going to be able to maximize what these players have? Ferraro obviously is on the younger side, but how old is Mikhail Grandlin going to be? That is when the Sharks are at a point when they are competing. Those are the things that change over the course of the Sharks' timeline. And, 
you know, right now it seems like the Sharks are a couple of years off. And I think that's that's okay. I don't I don't have a problem with the Sharks being a couple of years off, but I think that's what people have to understand is that and I talk to my kids a lot about this a lot because they'll ask, you know, why did the Sharks trade such and such player? And, you know, he was so good. This the Eric Carlson is the one they bring up. And I, you know, try to explain, okay, well, the Sharks, you know, their their timeline right now for when they think they're gonna be competitive and contending again doesn't line up with the window that's left in Eric Carlson's career. So they build for the future. And, you know, these are the things that I think that obviously any fan, whether or not, you know, you're, you're a kid watching the sharks or whether or not you're an adult, you do start asking yourself because the sharks for so long had so much talent here in the Bay area. And they were, you know, a draw jumbo was a draw. Marlowe was a draw. Carlson was a draw. Timo Meyer was a draw. Brent Burns was a draw. Evander Kane was a draw. Joe Pavelski was a draw. Dan Boyle. I mean, you keep on going down the list. Did I say Jumbo in there? I mean, yeah, I mean, you just you talk about all these star players that were on the San Jose Sharks and were here for so long. And yes, Couture is still a star, but he's been injured. Tomas Hurdle, he's still a star. He's an all-star. He's been injured. So those are things that you don't have right now for the San Jose Sharks as you get deeper and deeper into the season. And so you you look at the timeline and how it presents itself for the San Jose Sharks, and that's why these moves have to be made. And, you know, unfortunately, as good as Granlin has been, he has such a limited history with the Sharks that I don't view him as a quote-unquote draw. I don't know if people are coming out to see Mikhail Granlund. And Mario Ferraro and his work ethic, I don't know if people are coming out specifically to see him, even though... I love to watch him play hockey, and I think he's phenomenal. It just it shows why the Sharks are making these moves and why tough decisions have to be made. Everyone knew that Mike Greer was put into an unenviable situation when it came to turning this Sharks franchise around. He had to clear a lot of cap space, had to make the hard decisions, and he's been going through that. And so it's not something that I think most people wanted, but Mike Greer took it on, and I think that with this project, there has to be a level of patience. Um, but I think that when I look at other rebuilds that have happened around the NHL, I do not think the Sharks have bottomed out the same way that other teams have, whereas the Sharks have been competitive, they have had fight, they have had drive, where I've watched other teams in the NHL where it just seems like the mentality was different, teams got lost in that rebuild. And listen, I, I know that we're only you know a short amount of time into the Sharks' rebuild, and there's still a lot of things that can happen before they get it turned around again. But I, I just, it feels different to me in terms of how it's seen here and maybe how it's seen externally. People who are on the other side of the country, they might just see the record they might see the goal differential. And yeah, I'm sure they could be saying, oh, the Sharks, you know, that team is lost. But, you know, I watch players like Fabian Zetterland and William Eklund, and they look like they have a lot to add to the future. You know, you really like what Mackenzie Blackwood has brought in this year. You really like the overall vibe that's been with the San Jose Sharks. And these are things that I continue to point to is why I think the Sharks are going to be back sooner rather than later. And I don't have the ability to, you know, look at the timeline, but, you know, I, I feel like there is a good mentality here from top to bottom within the organization. I mean, look at Magnus Krona. You know, his previous two opportunities in the NHL had been disasters that he was not at fault in you know, come in and into a game against Pittsburgh in which the Sharks eventually gave up 10 goals. And then you have uh, the game against Edmonton in which Edmonton was ticked off after losing the previous time and probably viewed as one of the reasons why Jay Woodcroft got fired. And they came in like a hurricane and just went at Mr. Krona throughout the entirety of that game. And the Sharks did not play great in front of him. You know, he might have had some of that baggage as an excuse to not play well, but instead he played his best game 
against Dallas, one of the best teams in the NHL. And to me, that's a mentality that spreads from the top of an organization to the bottom. I mean, you look at Dallas right now, they are 37, 17, and 9, 83 points on the year. That's a good team any way you want to look at it. And Magnus Krona played a very, very good game against a very, very good team. Uh, the New York Rangers have only one more point than them. Florida, amidst their surge, has found themselves you know, now at 86 points. So we're talking about a team in Dallas that is right there towards the top of the NHL and the hyper-competitive Western Conference right now, to me, means that those points that Dallas is fighting for, especially in their division right now, you look at you know Winnipeg, 81 points, Colorado, 79 points, Nashville, 72 points. There are good hockey teams everywhere right now in the Western Conference, uh, and I know that there are teams also where their record does not fully reflect their reality. So I love the fact that the Sharks were able to respond for Magnus Krona and I love the fact that Magnus Krona himself had a great, great game showing what he can do out there at the NHL when his team does play a good game around him. Looking at the lottery situation at this point, the Sharks do still have one more point than Chicago, 36 for San Jose, as Chicago only has 35. You also look at Columbus, they've got 50 points now. Ottawa, 53 points. So the Sharks and Chicago are in a category of their own right now. When it does come to the rest of the NHL, even though the uh, Ducks are uh, you know, now with 47 points, they're getting closer to that 50-point range, they would appear to be in a tier different than where the Sharks and the Blackhawks are right now. But this could be the battle for the Western Conference five years from now, six years from now. It could be Chicago and San Jose meeting in that Western Conference final. It could be that we look back at these downtimes for both these franchises as paving a necessary path to get back up to the top of the NHL. And I have no doubt that, you know, the NHL is cyclical. Teams that are at the bottom go back up to the top. Look at where Colorado was a few years ago. That is the most obvious example. Look at, you know, how quickly it's turned around in Vancouver. Look at what Winnipeg was. Look at, you know, what we've seen from the Rangers. I mean, things change in the NHL. And then we have the expected teams that don't live up to where we all expect them to be. I mean, you look at, the Devils, I don't think anybody saw them sitting at sixth right now in the Metro. That was not where I had this Devils team. I thought they would be much, much better. So the point is, things change. There are no guarantees, but I do feel that the Sharks, like Chicago, like some of these other teams, they are going through these necessary downturns so that they can be good in the near future. And I think that the Sharks and Mike Greer have a vision. They're enacting it right now. They're going through these painful steps for the time being, but you know, hopefully as we get deeper into the year, we're going to see more of those prospects that you heard Shang allude to at the beginning, and we are going to uh, get a glimpse of the future. But in the present, uh, they need to play against a wild team that has obviously had difficulty all year long, and it cost Dean Evison his job. But even though they are an underperforming team, in my opinion, they are still a threat that the Sharks need to take seriously, especially on the second night of a back-to-back. They need to not be overly offensive-minded. They need to be careful with the puck. They need to create good opportunities and on defense need to funnel everything to the outside, give Capo vision, give him the opportunity to make the big stops when they happen. So this is another tough challenge for a San Jose side that uh, is probably going to be a little bit tired. you got to see how they play in that first period, obviously, on the second night of a back-to-back or second afternoon of a back-to-back for our time. Uh, but again, 
They play like they did last night. They're going to give themselves a chance. All right, I will be back with you tomorrow morning on Morning Tide as we go over the Sharks and the Wild. Be sure to join us at 3.30 for pregame coverage. Dan Rusinowski and Brett Hedekin, go time for Sharks and Wild. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.